Hello and welcome to a very special French Football Weekly podcast, uh, the podcast that will absolutely not be talking about PS. Okay, scratch that. My name is Chris, <laughs> I am your host, and uh, as you may have guessed from that intro, uh, we are going fairly deep on PSG this week. Uh, who isn't, let's be honest, good and bad, mostly bad. Um, we've got lots of people with us tonight, some for a short time, some for a long time, and some for ever. First of all, my regulars, uh, Phil, Jez, good evening to you both. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Uh, we have also got... Uh, We've got a we've got a Matt. Hello, Matt. Uh, you're also known on Twitter as PSG Tourist. Uh, good evening to you. Welcome back. Hello, Chris. Thanks for having me on. You are very welcome. And we've also got Mr. Jonathan Johnson. John, how are you doing? Hey there, guys. Great to be back on after a long, long time. Uh, yes. Doing uh, doing all right. And yourselves? Good. Not bad, my friends. Not bad. Um, still enjoying our French football, but uh, it wasn't a great week in terms of uh, if you're a PSG supporter. Um, John, we've only got you for a short amount of time, so we're going to kind of lean on you a little bit heavily uh, in this opening sort of segment of the pod. Naturally, we are going to cast our minds back to the uh, the Bernabeu and last week's uh, sort of PSG fallout, if you will. Nothing really, I suppose we don't really need to do a match review but just give us your general thoughts off the back of what you saw that night and, and the fallout that, that has come, not so much in the in the week preceding or proceeding, I should say, but what was your thoughts at the time and everything that leaked out after the game as PSG as a whole? What was your feeling on that particular night? I mean, I think uh, once again, <clears throat> feeling a major deflation. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are kind of made, uh, you know, a lot out of Pochettino's comments, injustice and all of that. But really, at the end of the day, there's no, there's no legislating <clears throat> for some of the mistakes that were made later on. I, you know, you can argue until you're blue in the face that there was a, a foul on, uh, on Donnarumma by Benzema. It, that still doesn't excuse the other two goals. I mean, unfortunately, it's just, uh, you know, it feels like it's been a couple of steps forward in the last couple of years, but now a few massive uh, steps back after after this elimination. It's like all of the good work that have been done in terms of progressing in Europe uh, has almost gone to waste, really. Uh, you know, people aren't going to remember PSG as the team that got to the Champions League final a couple of years ago because of the circumstances of that edition of the Champions League. Uh, they're going to still remember PSG as the team that constantly capitulates. Uh, you know, the times when, you know, the going gets tougher for the for the players than it does usually. Uh, you know, during the rest of the season. So it's hugely deflating, uh, you know, both from a PSG point of view, but also from a French football point of view. Uh, and I think it's doubly frustrating because PSG, I mean, it's, it, sounds, it sounds a bit stupid to say now because they've gone out, but PSG genuinely were the better side for the first leg and then the first hour of the second leg. And still they managed to, to come away with, you know, this chastening defeat. And it's... Uh, I mean, it's, you know, the, the stuff that's followed afterwards, the, the reaction of the fans, I think it was to be expected. You know, people are, are making out that they're shocked about the way that PSG fans are talking about Messi, talking about Neymar. I mean, cast our minds back a couple of years to 2019 when Neymar was <clears throat> pushing to return to, to Barcelona and the way that the PSG fans treated him then. You know, I'm not surprised by this, uh, you know, by this outburst by the fans. In fact, the the only thing that does really surprise me is that it's taken this long for them to manifest their feelings because the stuff that they're protesting against is stuff that they could have been voicing for quite a while now. Um, and also the problems that PSG have been suffering from 
this season uh, and have now gone out of the Champions League because of uh, problems that we've seen coming for months and months and months. Uh, you know, it's it's been clear for a long time, pretty much since the end of last season, really, that Pochettino was not a good fit, was not really invested in this PSG return as a manager, uh, you know, and, and so trying to soldier on with him despite the, the, the open flirtation with Manchester United, uh, you know, in the in winter. Uh, has led to, to PSG's Champions League dreams being smashed and their season for PSG basically being over because, you know, barring a massive Champions League-esque capitulation, they're not going to be caught in Ligue 1. So, you know, it's, it, it's again, it's, it's another example of, you know, PSG building their season around the Champions League and the season coming to a premature close in spring. Yeah, and um, Jez, I think yeah, John's just touched on something. I think you wanted to ask him about uh, the manager or coaching setup in general. What was your question that you had for John on that regard? Well, I, I just think that obviously backing up everything that John said, there's sort of this has been coming or not even been coming because we've been seeing it most years, but this kind of thing has been sort of building up for years and you can sort of point blame at players and Leonardo and Alcalifi and I'm sure we'll come come on to all of that but Pochettino obviously has been getting a lot of the blame and a lot of criticism all season because um, you know as as we seem to cover every week PSG are are comfortably at the top of Ligue 1 but rarely is any individual match comfortable for them. Um, and I just wanted to know to what extent you think it, this is Pochettino's fault as opposed to anyone else's. I don't think it's all Pochettino's fault by any stretch of the imagination. And I think the players do have to step up and take a lot of the blame. Uh, you know, some, the usual suspects who sort of drift in and out of matches, you know, sort of more out than in. Uh, guys like Neymar, uh, you know, Messi. Ramos, who wasn't even on the pitch, has been an absolute disaster. Uh, you know, but Pochettino, like I said before, uh, you know, it doesn't really feel like he's ever been invested in this PSG return at any point, maybe the first couple of weeks. But once it became clear that he wasn't going to uproot his family life uh, from the from, from the UK um, and sort of, you know, really invest in PSG in the long term, it was quite clear that, uh, you know, this stint with PSG was sort of to add trophies to his cabinet uh, which have been missing and, you know, is often pointed out when he's being linked with the, the biggest posts, uh, you know, but I, I think he probably underestimated, you know, just how much of a challenge it would be to actually get the team to, to play well. And uh, he's rarely done that. Uh, but like I said, you can't level all of the blame at this Champions League exit, uh, you know, sort of at his door. He did oversee some impressive performances against Barca and Bayern last season, obviously got the, the win over Manchester City at home in the group stage as well. So, you know, he hasn't been a complete flop on the continental stage. Uh, and I think as well, there's, you know, a big feeling of disappointment towards some of the players that you wouldn't expect to be criticising uh, after a PSG Champions League exit. Marquinhos, you had arguably his worst performance in the Champions League I think I've ever seen him have with PSG. Uh, You know, and there's, you know, some other players as well who, you know, okay, I mean, Verratti, I thought he was excellent for pretty much the entirety of sort of the the first, uh, the first leg and certainly the majority of the second leg yet, uh, you know, again, uh, somebody else who, as soon as the heads drop, you know, the, the heads drop completely and it's almost like a downing of tools. Uh, you know, we saw the way that PSG sort of imploded last season against Manchester City after they lost a bit of discipline. Di Maria got sent off. 
Uh, and it just feels like they never really learn from from that collectively. Uh, and I think as well, given that he had seen it happen against City last season, Poch does bear some responsibility there. But instead, you know, he goes about it the same way as the players have probably been going about it, which is, you know, sort of bleating about a refereeing decision, which really at the end of the day, you know, it was not even a decision that needed to be made if Donnarumma just does that absolute basics correctly, uh, you know, and doesn't put himself and the team in the, in, in the firing line. Yeah, well, yeah, well said. And um, like I said, I know we're, we've only got you for a short time, John, so I just wanted to ask if Matt or Phil have got anything specific they wanted to ask I, you as well. I, I have something because I was watching this, obviously, and in the build-up um, at the weekend, uh, which we know was will come to back to this later a torrid atmosphere at the Parc des Princes for the Bordeaux game, and Neymar looked absolutely just like he didn't want to be there. You've got the stories about Arcafi and Leonardo banging into the referees' room and stuff like that. It feels like. This team struggles, we said it a couple of weeks ago, with the not result. Like, how can this be happening to us? And they don't deal with that well. They're not professional when they deal with this. They're barely adults. There is a real sense of, you know, tantrum toddlering going on here. And do you see that as an endemic problem or is that which comes from the top? I mean, how do you see that attitude playing into this situation? Yeah, I, I think you you absolutely have a point there. Uh, you know, I do think it comes from the top uh, and I think it's uh, a result of players being, uh, you know, sort of coddled for, for too long. I mean, with regards to sort of the referee thing um, after the Champions League game, uh, I mean, we can just leave it at, it's as simple as one of the two people in question has previous of that kind of thing. And we can leave it at that. Uh, you know, we'll see what UEFA um, have to say. I've, I've got a fairly decent idea of what the UEFA verdict will be. We'll see if it comes to pass. But, uh, you know, I don't think one of the men's history will count in their favour. Um, and you know, I really think that there's been a lot of this since Leonardo's return because, you know, he when he came back in 2019, he was saying the right things at the very beginning, taking quite a hardline stance with people like Neymar. And at first it seemed to work, you know, it kind of set PSG up quite nicely in that 2019-20 season when they eventually made the run to the Champions League final, um, but obviously did so in very particular, uh, particular circumstances given COVID. Um, but ever since that COVID break, um, you know, it just seems like any sort of authority that Leonardo had, had built up uh, at the beginning of his second stint in charge just disappeared. <clears throat> I don't know if that's related to the fact that, uh, you know, he allowed Thiago Silva and Edinson Cabani to move on uh, to not great fanfare, uh, you know, brought in the likes of Icardi, who's been an utter, utter failure. Uh, and, you know, since, you know, getting to that Champions League final, it's, it's almost like a lot of the players kind of considered that mission accomplished as opposed to actually bringing the trophy home. And I don't think a lot of them realised just how close they were. 
you know, that was arguably the most professional that we'd seen PSG and the most focused we'd seen them, uh, you know, sort of on that run. I mean, I know that there were very unusual circumstances surrounding it. So there probably weren't as many temptations as there normally are uh, outside of COVID times. But, uh, you know, Neymar was, you know, a man possessed during that run, even before uh, COVID. You know, you look at the way that he helped turn the tide against Dortmund in the second leg. Uh, and I think all of that focus that PSG had built up was just completely lost. It's one of the reasons why Tuchel had pretty much lost the dressing room and, and was sent on his way. Uh, and Pochettino, you know, really struggled to get anything out of the, the team from the very beginning of his time, part of that's down to the fact that the squad was very, you know, a major mismatch of uh, players, but also, uh, you know, just because I think that many of them had probably thought that they'd gone as far as they could already go with this uh, PSG side, certainly in, on the continental stage. But I think the thing that is maybe most worrying about all of this is the sort of self-regulation that PSG used to have. And it doesn't really serve to much to get nostalgic and hark back to the days of Zlatan, Maxwell, Motta, Matuidi, all of that. But there was much more discipline within that kind of generation of players than there is in this current crop. Um, just one more question, if I can. I heard last week sure. um, Andy Brussel was talking about nobody cares what Leonardo says at PSG. But then El Kaifi takes him into the dressing room as wingman to bust up a referee's office. Um, what do you see Leonardo's role as currently? Because that seems to be a bit... Nobody knows if he's in charge, because we know Poch isn't. So who is? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I think Leonardo's immediate future is probably going to be job seeker because I think that there is going to be uh, an element of, um, you know, having to clean house, or, you know, almost sort of self-imposed because of this failure in your head's, you, you can't have a scenario like this happen and heads not roll. Uh, and I think Leonardo's time, uh, you know, has come to a close. He's immensely unpopular with the majority of, of PSG managers that he's had. Even Carlo Ancelotti back in the day, he was very, very close with from his time at AC Milan. Uh, you know, they managed to, to fall out. Uh, I think the big, the major confusion to answer your, your question comes from the fact that when Leonardo was brought in, Al-Halifi was indisposed and sort of unavailable, which is why Leonardo had to pick up some of these sort of presidential functions uh, that it seems like he's almost gotten used to, uh, you know, sort of having that level of power and say, um, yeah, obviously Al-Halifi has become, uh, you know, more and more visible again, uh, you know, since Leonardo's return in 2019. So you've almost got those two men now sort of occupying the same position uh, and, and trying to exercise the, the rights that go with that. Uh, and obviously that doesn't make for a very clear picture in terms of, uh, in terms of hierarchy. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't help when one of them in particular, uh, you know, it just has this history with, with coaches. I mean, to be honest, I think part of Leonardo's problem, uh, and it's, it, it was evident during his time, uh, his first spell at PSG is that, he very clearly sees himself as somebody who could be the coach uh, of these teams. He's had forays into, into management in the past. They haven't gone particularly well, yet he's still convinced that, you know, he's sort of somebody who can do 
all of this. He can be a transfer guru, but he can also be a tactician. And I think, you know, there's an element about him that thinks he can do it better than, you know, the majority of people who are there at the club. But I do think that there was always going to be the risk of this happening when PSG made the decision to go back to him, given the way that things ended up uh, the first time around. And that is why I think there's an unclear idea uh, at the club as to, you know, sort of who actually calls the shots between Leonardo and, uh, and NASA. But I think that the, um, you know, the fallout to come in the next few weeks and months will make it clear that, uh, you know, there is really only room for, for one of them uh, at PSG. And uh, I think it's Leonardo who will, uh, you know, ultimately uh, take the fall and it'll probably be quite a tough fall. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> John, thank you ever so much for your time. I know you're a, you're a busy chap, so I really appreciate you coming on. We'll we'll let you go, and unfortunately, we'll have to grill Matt now. So get prepared, Matt. But uh, yeah, John, welcome as welcome anytime as always, and, and thank you very much for your time this evening. Guys, thanks a lot for having me on. It's been a pleasure, and uh, take care. Thank you. We'll thank do. You. Um, right, Matt. Uh, unfortunately, yes. uh, it's time for you now. <laughs> um, How do I follow that? Coffee kettle. Yeah, get, get the kettle on. Maybe uh, something stronger. Yes, indeed. Yes, yeah, absolutely. John made some excellent, excellent points there, and and we'll probably draw down into, into a few of those um, in a moment. But first things first, like, I just need to ask you, as a you know, as a follower, um, let me know. Same question I asked to John, really. What was your thoughts straight after the the immediate aftermath? I mean, I was following a few PSG accounts, including your own, um, and just yeah what was what was the general feeling straight after that happened i mean it probably wasn't the, my finest night on twitter to be honest uh, i should probably go back and check for the uh the, the swear word level was probably quite high i mean i felt i thought the psg had hurt me in ways which was be sort of you know unmatchable in future but i actually felt after this one probably more deflated than any of the previous ones i think because like John was saying, we were so much better than them. Like we were so much better than them in the first leg. The fact that we only won that one nil was an absolute travesty. And then the first half of that game, I think I tweeted at halftime, as halves in the Bernabeu go, that was about as well as it could have possibly gone. Like we seemed largely in control. We got goal. It just seemed like there was no problem. And then just out of nowhere, just this massive brain fart comes against, let's be honest, a team that is not as good as we are, like on paper. I know this is one of the big problems with PSG, but having dominated them for like 120 minutes to just lose it in that way was just, it just blew my mind. It just, I was so angry. I had to leave the house and go for a walk afterwards because I was so furious. Like it, it just, it just blows my mind. And I'm still, I'm thinking about it now and I'm getting angry again. So yeah, that was, (laughs) (laughs) that. I think I was just completely like, I was just completely bereft at the end of that game. I just didn't know where it came from. And, just felt so disappointed that it had happened again, really. Yeah. Can I yeah. ask a question or a couple of questions about that? Yeah. Kind of drawing on, well, you just said you don't know where it came from, so maybe I shouldn't ask you. But <laughs> and also what, what John alluded to in, by particularly mentioning Marquinhos and Verratti. Um loads of pe- the two pe- the two things that people ask me the most when they know that. I sort of do French football in terms of PSG are firstly, is it because Ligue 1 is too easy for them? Um, and secondly, like, w- w- 
why does this keep happening like what is do you think is this some kind of proper sort of mental block that it keeps happening for me the first answer is no it's not to i mean it it's too easy to say that it's because Ligue 1 is too easy because Bayern have the same issue. Juventus for years had I mean, the same issue. We, we we literally didn't win the title last season, so... I, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Know, it, it's not too easy, is it? Like, uh, anyway, sorry, Jess, carry on. Yeah, so, so that's one thing. I, for me, the issue is more that PSG choose to sleepwalk through a lot of league matches and yeah. then it's harder to switch it on, whereas Bayern... I know this year is a bad example, but normally they don't care if they beat everyone 7 0, they'll still do it, kind of thing. Yeah. And then in terms you're, of the you're you're picking up on something that our friend Tarek Amir uh said after that game. Like be like Bayern, take domestic football seriously. They're dominant in Germany, but they don't underestimate the value of a league title. I think that's a kind of very important difference between the two, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And then the, then the other thing is, is this sort of mentality thing. I mean, for me, if any two players are going to be scarred because they've been there the whole time, it is Marquinhos and Verratti. But in, in a match like the other day, someone like Messi, who has got so much big, big game experience surely must have been able to handle goals two and three better or do something feign an injury whatever it is to kind of disturb the rhythm so I don't know what my two questions to you are but do you well basically do you think this league thing is a, a sort of valid point and I guess my second question is sort of more generally what the fuck I don't know yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's a question you could ask about PSG at pretty much any time, isn't it? What the fuck? What the fuck? Um, I think the league, I don't think that the criticism that the game is too easy is a valid one, to be honest. Um, because I, but I do think that, I think that just comes from the mentality of the club that the only focus is on the Champions League. And I think that comes from the top. And that must be what's communicated to the players at all times. And that must be the it's the prevailing narrative around PSG, even when people from the club aren't talking about it. So I just feel like, because we've had, this keeps happening through generations of players. Like there's only like, what, Marquinhos and Verratti, like you say, are the only ones who played in the, in the first Barcelona embarrassment, I think, or from starting anyway, Di Maria and, and Draxler. Yeah, Neymar well. and Messi played. Yes, <laughs> they did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Neymar had a good time that day. Um, uh, yeah, so... Uh, you know, there's no reason that these players should be scarred in the same way that, that those ones were, unless it it comes from the mentality within the club and the messages that they're getting from the from the coach or from the hierarchy or whatever, which is that as long as you turn it on in the Champions League, then we don't really care what else you do, which, uh, I mean, I don't like that accusation being levelled at my team, but I feel like that's probably, that's probably a fair one. And that's probably, you know, it's, it's a bit of a cliche about PSG, but I think there's probably a ring of truth to it. Beyond that, I, I, it just I thought we were over this, and this is where maybe Poch gets some of the blame because maybe he hasn't been able to put his stamp on it in the way that Tuchel did. Because, all right, as I think John made some good points about the the year we got to the final. Obviously, it was a very um, unusual circumstance, and also uh, the run we had was not the most difficult. But at the same time, 
I think through that season, I remember the games against, I think it was Liverpool in the group stage, we were really good. And uh, you saw progression as a team. You saw a functioning team coming together. You even saw at times Neymar and Mbappe like working hard and tracking back and stuff. And I felt like Tuchel was doing some good work in that respect. And it seems to have just, I know like Tuchel's not the, he wasn't the build and end all. And there was valid reasons to, to get rid of him. But I feel like since he's left, uh, we've gone completely backwards in the, in the respect of, of being a functioning team. So I think that's, that's my biggest sadness. This like having had, you know, having got to the final and the semi-final and looked sort of like we were making good progress. This just feels like a, a massive backward step to sort of classic kind of banter era PSG. I um I have a question for you, Matt. This is probably sort of brings it into focus in terms of PSG as a whole. Um, obviously, we we only get the English perspective, and uh, Phil will probably get a different perspective being in France. I'm sure Jez will from from the the bits and bobs that he hears, you know, from the French side of things. But PSG are are universally hated in in this country. Um, something that I can't quite get my head around, and as I say, maybe it's because I'm based in England, but I don't really see much of what PSG have done any different to what Manchester City did, what Chelsea before them did, less said about them, the, the, uh, the more, the less said about them, the better at the moment. And, and then to... Buster Leal. Say again? Mega Buster Leal, yeah. Mega Buster <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a time to be alive for them. But, yeah, and, and then to a, to a more modern take, you know, Newcastle, you don't hear, like, particularly with Man City, I think are the better comparison because they haven't won the Champions League yet, and there's the pressure on them to do that. You don't hear about that in England, do you? When when Man City go out, you know, BT Sport and no, various other right. platforms, they fall over themselves. Oh, you know, Pep's a genius, and it's just what he's just overthinking it. And there's no criticism with Man City, and I know Jazz is uh, on this train with me, particularly with certain podcasts and certain people that are on podcasts. They they go after PSG straight away. Oh, you know, they're everything that's wrong with the game. They're this, they're that. And I do appreciate there is a mercenary element. I do appreciate uh, there is this mentality. Viola is a brilliant coach and you can see where he's going and you can see that he's in charge of the club. Um, What Pochettino is dealing with is if you look at that uh, communique from the ultras over the weekend, they are explicitly asking, how can a manager be respected in the dressing room when he is clearly not the person taking the decisions? Mm. There's a different sense about how the clubs are attacking this. I agree that both really, really want to win the Champions League, but it seems to me that one club is doing that in a addressing that in a footballing sense and one is just going how much money can we throw at this situation who do we need to hit uh, to an argue that makes Guardiola uh, City an even bigger flop then that, that was <laughs> yeah. almost yeah, word for word possibly, last but yeah. it's, it's a pure football situation I've... and it's less easy to throw kind of easy easy snowballs at them I think where are my metaphors going? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, who doesn't like a good weather metaphor? But um, I think like they're both like, I think they're just different ways of like 
I'm going to go into the metaphors now. There are different ways of skinning the cat, aren't they? Like they're both quite valid football or well-worn sort of football tropes. Like Man City have set up an entire club around Guardiola and they brought in all those guys before him who had worked with at Barcelona to basically run the club and set it up in its image. And then when Guardiola was free, they got him and, you know, they're they're reaping the, the, the benefits of that now to an extent. Whereas PSG have gone down, you know, what is another common football approach and just brought all the best players that they could get their hands on. To be fair, City have done that as well. Well, yeah, I guess... They seem to have bought players who could play together. Okay, but still, they've spent over a billion pounds. I mean, to, you know, paint City and Guardiola as a purely, you know, beautiful footballing outfit and nothing else. Oh, God, I'm not doing that. I'm Mm. just saying they've gone to you know, a good restaurant and bought a decent meal as opposed to PSG going to that Salt Bay guy and getting everything covered in gold. We've gone from weather to steak. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry about the mess. (laughs) But but the point point remains about this hatred though, doesn't it, Matt, in terms of like, you know, what... Why is it? Is is it purely the lack of history? Is it is it the flamboyant, you know, kit deals and marketing deals? Is it the fans? It, or is it simply just lack of education from an English media perspective? Because we have got some very good pundits in the UK, yeah. but we've I also mean, got some very bad ones. I think a lot of it is a bit of lack of education. It was making me laugh at halftime in the in the Real Madrid game. All the guys in the BT studio were like, oh my gosh, Mbappe has gone to shoot into the far post and whipped it in at the near post instead this is incredible and i was like yeah he does that literally all Every the time week. like if you just watched the, football, the world is, cup final yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like just watch the football that's on your own channel and you would know this but um so i think there is a bit of that like uh that sort of education piece i think there's a bit i mean psg always you lose in i hate myself for saying this but objectively quite funny ways like if i didn't like the club I would probably find it quite funny as well if it was happening to someone else. So I think there's a bit of that as well. But yeah, I don't, I th- I don't know. I think it's mainly parochial, to be honest. I think it's mainly just, oh yeah, this is an English team doing it. So it can't be as bad as those, uh, those guys over in France who, you know, who, yeah, spend, yeah, pretty much. I think yeah. it's just a bit of that, isn't it? Yeah. Which is a bit of a shame, but there we are. bit of hand-wringing, yeah. Well, what about the, um, I'll get... I'll probably get everyone to take on this. I mean, where do they go from here? Because if you look, if you look at that side, there's there's plenty of very good, talented players. But as we said on this podcast a number of times before, there's also plenty of, I guess what you call average players. You know, I don't mind a Danny Liv Pereira, but is he really good enough for a team with the amount of facilities that PSG have? A, a Draxler, a, um, I mean, even like even a Wambanat, whom I love. You know, is he really at the level that PSG should be at? And then you've got the goalkeeping situation. It does it need Leonardo, of course, to go. I think we universally agree that that's probably something needs to happen. But as well as a new coach and as well as Leonardo going, do they have to start at a completely almost fresh in the summer and say, right, it's not worked. Let's ship out the big players. We know Mbappe is, you know, maybe 70-30 out the door at this stage. Maybe is it time to actually cast aside the Messi experiment not working, the Neymar experiment not working, and, and almost starting complete fresh? Uh, I'm, yeah. gosh. Um, <laughs> Loaded question there, sorry. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think that in the ideal world, you would have a big clear out. I agree. There's a lot of players who could 
do with being moved on, but I just don't know how this will possibly happen. Like, who is going to take a lot of these guys off our hands? Like, and this is the this is the problem with the squad not being built very wisely. And maybe to to Phil's point earlier of the difference in in sort of uh, philosophy between PSG and, and Man City, uh, it feels like a lot of the time our players are kind of we bring in people like Danilo on. on last day of the transfer window or what have you and then it's like oh what are we going to do with this guy does he really make our team better sort of thing so I personally I would like us to have a smaller squad with uh, with basically a bit higher quality which sounds stupid to say but particularly in midfield we've just got a lot of players who are who are okay but like you were saying Chris and not like they're not going to make the difference for PSG in a, in a big Champions League game so ideally you would ship out a load of those and maybe bring in one or two sort of higher quality additions, which is maybe what we should have done in the last transfer window rather than going completely mental and like bringing in like Messi and Sergio Ramos and stuff. But I just think in terms of if we assume Mbappe is going to leave, they're definitely not going to get rid of Neymar or Messi. And even if they did, I mean, who's going to take them off us? So I think like thoughts of a massive clear out are probably a little bit, bit fanciful, to be honest, because I just don't think there's going to be the market for a lot of our players, particularly when you consider their, their wages and whatnot. Mm, yeah, and if I, I'll throw that question, um, well, I'll, I'll start with you, Jez, and then I've got a slightly different question for you, Phil. The, to use your example, Jez, about the, the comparison to Bayern Munich, I'm just going to very quickly list um, some of the Bayern Munich squad here, just to prove my point in what I said there. So Manuel Noor, obviously, you know, goalkeepers, I think you could argue between both sides are similar, but... Upa Meccano, Sula, Davis, uh, Luca Hernandez, we all know well. Pavar, we know well. Um, midfield, Kimmich, Gnabry, Sabitza, Tolisso, Musiala, uh, Mark Rocker, um, Goretzka. Up front, Lewandowski, Komen, Muller, uh, even, even Big Chupa, and of course, Leroy Sane. There's very few players there that you would say are not quality. Whereas, you know, as you say, we run down that PSG side and you say, how many of those? PSG fringe players would get in and around a Bayern Munich squad. But then you look at someone like Eric Chupamoting, for example, when Bayern Munich signed him, everyone's like, what on earth? But he's fit in because, as you said, Bayern of this animal who just constantly want to win. So if PSG did rip up that sort of template, Jez, would they have to essentially go after completely different type of players if they were to rebuild that squad from the outside in? Yeah, I mean, it depends what you mean by different type of players, but less profile or less, less, uh, less marketable, shall we say? You know, if they, if they like when Man City bought Rayad Morris, for example, we all knew how talented he was. Well, yeah, I mean, that's and that's that's the question I've got for you, Phil. So hold that thought. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is the thing you look at that that Bayern team, and you know. I'm not sure there's any player there, maybe Musiala, but otherwise there's no player there that came through the Bayern ranks, I don't think, or Neuer, sorry. But, you know, most most of them were bought, but they weren't bought for 222 million. And when they were bought, they were all known to be very good players. Yeah. Just for me, again, it's Leonardo to a point, but as I've said here so many times before, it can't just be him. Leonardo has come and gone and come and he's probably going again. It's Al-Khalifi, who I think is setting the tone in terms of the kind of players they're buying. And also, you know, maybe we'll come to it, but the way those players are pampered um, so that they're not 
fully on their game and never think that they need to be. I think that's the issue. So, of course, again, like, you know, this summer they brought in Donnarumma, Ramos, Messi, can't think who else. And people are saying it's the greatest summer transfer window ever. It never was. I get that sort of Messi, they kind of had to buy and no one else was going to anyway. I get that Donnarumma is definitely one for the future. But Ramos, great player that he he is or was, is physically a busted flush. Messi is just clearly, unfortunately, because I, I do love Messi, just not the player he was. And at Barcelona, he was Barcelona. So the rest of the team, you know, as well as their own jobs, one of their other jobs was to do all of Messi's running for him. No one's going to do that at PSG for him. And half of them don't run for themselves. And Donnarumma, as brilliant as he is, has unsettled kind of himself and another keeper who arguably was sort of among the top five in the world anyway. So they definitely need to look for different kinds of players. But that doesn't mean that they don't, they, they can still look for world class players and still easily populate their squad with them. They just need to think in terms of, of building a squad or building a team with it can still be full internationals, it can still be, um, you know, champions, previous Champions League winners. Just don't make them sort of miles past 30 with a brilliant history behind them, but with the emphasis on history. And yeah, as you said, I mean, for me, Marquinhos is best, Verratti is is best, and obviously Mbappe. They walk into any other team in the world. I'm not sure any other player does, any other PSG player does that. And that's not enough to win a Champions League. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And I think you look at the last um, transfer window and the only transfers that really, I mean, the Messi one's a bit of a special case, but... The Donnarumma one makes sense, at least on one level, because he was free and he's a young, like, amazing goalkeeper. And the Hakimi one is just the kind of player we should be buying, someone who's, who's like you say, Jez, already established, but he's got room to get even better. And I think we've seen him, you know... Yeah, I forgot about him. And yeah, he's the perfect kind of player yeah, yeah. they should be bringing. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the kind of sign you want to see. The kind of sign you don't want to see, like you say, is, is someone like Sergio Ramos, because that just underscores this idea that it's... Uh, a marketing project rather than the football team because what possible way yeah. is he like I mean it'd be nice to think that he's still got something in him but given that we binned off Thiago Silva the the year before presumably because he was so old what are we doing signing Sergio Ramos what are we doing signing Wijnaldum like at like age of 30 who is okay but not great what is he bringing to the table that our million other midfielders don't and decisions like that just 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 completely baffle me and until Till, like you say, until we get to the root of where they come from, then I don't think the PSG squad building is 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 going to get any better, unfortunately. And not just for me, not just transfers, but why give Neymar and Draxler new contracts? Yeah, oh, yeah Draxler, man, that's don't. a whole other debate. Yeah. At the weekend were interesting. Well. Uh, they brought on Draxler and uh, I forget who else. But it was like, it was one of those situations where you go, oh shit, I forgot he was there. Mm. And that is not a good look for a big club. 
Abdu Dial and Tilo Kera were the other two that came on. Yeah, the unused, yeah, unused subs here, Cardi and Gway and yeah. Colin Dagmer's still there as well. Remember him? He, he's still there. Still there. It, what, what do you what do you think about the youth then? Phil, that was the question I was going to ask you. I mean, they have got a couple in, in Dina Rabinbe and, and Javi Simmons who made the bench but haven't really had a full look in. And there's some other players that are chomping at the bit in the, in the youth sides that that could come through and at least there would be a bit of soul in the club potentially in, in terms of the fans and getting well, behind this, them. This was um, something obviously we've been talking about for a while. And the um, communique from the Ultra weekend was really very pointed on a lot of issues that a lot of us have been talking about for ages. But they, that didn't mention the academy. They mentioned shirt colours, which was way down my list of what's fucked up at PSG, but fair enough. Um, But I think we've been talking for many seasons about how PSG have this brilliant academy, the great young players who decide to fuck off to the Bundesliga because they're not going to get any minutes at PSG. And they know that. And I think that's terribly sad. Uh, But I also think it was quite instructive that that wasn't in this communicate. Neither was the club should be sold. And this might be moving, you know, massively tangentially off from that, but they want, they're talking about direction de mission. They're talking about Urkelefi, um step away from day-to-day management. But they want things to, change they want Leonardo to go they want to have a manager who can be respected but they're not talking about the club being sold and I think I want to ask Matthew um, is this a case that the ultras are happy with the ownership because it gives them the resources but they want reorganization so it makes more sense footbally or are they prepared to have the money taken away and to deal with a different situation Uh, that's an interesting question um i think that i think it's sort of in their statement, they also say, you know, we recognise we wouldn't be here without the, I think they say without NASA, don't they? But, you know, by extension, without the out the money. So I think that um, for a lot, of, a lot of PSG fans that I speak to, I think would not be devastated if the, um, if the ownership changed. I think that you look at where we are, they have done, they've done a lot of work, obviously, on the club, changing it from a sort of, you know, uh, a sort of fairly unfashionable one into one that's got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in the background going for it, and it's got a good profile. And even if we didn't have quite as much money, I feel like we could probably level off at a 
a, higher, a much higher level than we were before, obviously, but also we could probably find another owner who could take it on and have it competing for the, you know, for the in the latter stages of the Champions League and competing for the league untitled every season and that sort of thing. So I'm not sure what the, uh, I'm not sure whether that's what the ultras would want particularly. I think from their, judging from their most recent communique, I think they'd like the current owners to stay, but just to kind of respect the tradition of the club a bit more and sort of do all the stuff they said they'd do back in 2010 and 2011, which sort of uh, we've kind of moved away from with all the obsession with Jordan kits and all this other nonsense. But um, uh, yeah, I think like from a personal point of view and certainly from speaking to the other, some other fans, I think everyone's just so disillusioned with not just the result because it's the culmination of everything, isn't it? That there's sort of, it's difficult to connect, I think, with this team as we have with past teams, just because they all don't really feel like their hearts are in it from Pochettino downwards, basically. And yeah. uh, I think that's what the fans want, really, isn't it? That's all you want as a fan. You just want those guys to, to. I know it's their job, but you want them to seem like they care and to seem like they're, they're here to do something something good. And I think the, the problem with the current incarnation of PSG is that they all, I think they'd all probably, they've all got their own priorities, certainly, and it they make it, they make that pretty obvious sort of thing. So, so yeah, I don't know that we, I don't know that the ultras necessarily want a, want a ownership change, but I certainly wouldn't be adverse to this one at this point. I don't think it would be the end of the world. I think just quickly on, sorry, cause I'm appreciate I'm talking a lot, but um, I think on the youth players as well, I think the sad thing about that is that we've got a coach who in his previous clubs has shown that he relies on a real high energy style of football that he wants intensive, you know, running, running, running. Um, we, you know, that's what young players will give you, if nothing else, if handled correctly. Uh, and we don't really seem keen to use them, which is a bit of a shame. And it's, you know, again, another eternal kind of, you know, uh, sort of conundrum around PSG, isn't it? Having this great academy and every other team kind of kind of benefits uh, from, the, from the fruits of it. Makes you wonder as well um, if he is actively being told to not use those players in favour of others, doesn't yeah. it? I suppose that's... Something that I think Jez has brought up before. Um, I think just to um, take us back past the Champions League to the game at the weekend, hmm. obviously playing Bordeaux is a gimme. So, <laughs> but that was the most pedestrian 3-0 win ever. And the... The reaction from the ultras, from the home fans, they booed Neymar and Messi and Pochettino when their names were read out pre-match. Every time Neymar or Messi touched the ball, or by Nelden, weirdly, um, they were booing. It was a very, very strange situation. At halftime, um, the, the Bordeaux player they put up, he was just asked, was that weird? And he said, yes, that was weird. Um, but it was Vinaldum who was put up um, in front of the cameras. Post-match, it was uh, uh, Kim Pembe who appears to be held together by duct tape at the moment. And everybody was doing their best to say, 
Yeah, we understand. We sympathize. This is sad. Whatever. It was a. It was such a strange answer. How, and I was watching it going. This is fucking weird. How, Matt, as a fan, were you watching that thinking? Messi is being booed by his own fans in his own stadium. What the fuck is happening? I mean, how how do you kind of react to that? How do you see that? I mean, I find I don't find it that surprising to be honest, because it mm. that's just what happens with PSG, isn't it? I mean, it's it's weird. Like I if I was in the stadium, I would not be booing them like that for sure. Um, but just kind of you've seen it so many times over the years and obviously like John mentioned when he was on earlier about the whole this was like a saga for weeks with Neymar wasn't it when they thought he would you know when he was trying to get back to Barcelona and then he it didn't happen and he was just getting booed for weeks so I feel like that was just inevitably going to happen I I think like over here the the media make a, a big deal of it uh but it's not exactly it's not exactly unusual behaviour from PSG fans, even when there's a much more minor transgression committed. So I don't really understand it. It's a bit of a weird weird habit that they're in uh, the the guys who are in the stadium. But uh, you know, <laughs> it, it it didn't surprise me at all that that happened. Even even the great Messi is not beyond being booed by some some furious uh, some furious Parisians. I'm I'm with Matthew. I, I just think that um, yeah. I'm not a big fan of being your own team full stop, but if you're going to be them, I think ahead of a lot of those players deserved it. <laughs> um, Messi, I, it's not a case of feeling sorry for him, but I, I don't think he deserved it because I don't think he's, firstly, he hasn't been there long enough to to sort of have built up that much of a bank of sort of indiscretions. And secondly, I don't think, I know there's there's stories of the sort of Hispanic um, or Hispanophile, Hispanophone, that's the word, um, <laughs> clique against the sort of um, Francophone clique and, and Messi obviously is being indulged more than certain other players and, and that's taken badly by some players. But I don't think any of that is necessarily his fault. Like I said, he's just come in and he was always going to be pampered. Um, that's the the fault of the people we've mentioned earlier and in terms of I think I don't think his attitude's been bad on the pitch I just think as I said he's he's well past his best and and that's not his fault um mm. so I, I feel a little bit sorry that he was booed but then I think you know it wasn't necessarily Messi the player being booed it's sort of the the symbolism of him being in that team um I was going to say something else, which will come back. I'll, it will come back to me. I think you're right about the the, the messy thing. I, I, I do wonder if if the door happened to open for him to return to Barcelona. I do wonder if something would get done there. It just feels like it's not really worked. the The only other question I had for you, Matt, because we we want to very quickly run through the league on weekend as well. Um, if uh, two two prong question and one answer will lead nicely into the other. If Mbappe goes. And do you believe he goes? Uh, who do PSG try to replace him in? Because I know the obvious one is everyone says, oh, Erling Haaland. It very easily said, um, not quite so easily done. What would be your preference? I mean, do, to make do you, PSG even more likeable. <laughs> exactly. 
I mean, the, the first question is, do you think he goes at this point? Um, uh, well, answer that first. Do you, do you see him going now? Is, is, this, is this it at the end of the season? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it's sad and it, it, it kills me, but I think that he's going to go. I don't think that the result the other night will have made that much difference either way. I think he'd already decided to go despite him being polite and entertaining the offer of like, 50 gazillion euros a week or whatever <laughs> NASA's probably offered him golden <laughs> toilet or whatever I, you know I think he's already decided and I think he's going and he'll go with my good wishes because look at his his performance the other night was just astonishing like even uh, you know obviously like the rest of them he kind of lost it a bit by the end but I think like you know you can't uh, you can't uh, apportion too much blame to him for for what's happened to us and you know I think that's uh, we'll we'll wish him well as he goes on to, to Real Madrid or what have you. Yeah. Um, in terms of replacing him, uh, just someone, I don't really know. I don't think that it's a good idea to sign Erling Haaland, to be honest, despite the fact that he's amazing. I just think, assuming that we're, we're definitely going to be stuck with Neymar next season and Messi probably, I think we just need to, we need someone uh, to inject a bit more energy into the team and someone a bit more low-key who will just like, I don't think any team can carry three players who don't defend. Like it's just too, it's just too much. Even if we were like a, a brilliantly well-drilled team, which we aren't, and we had loads of massively energetic players in midfield, which we don't, uh, it would still be a struggle. So I, I don't have a name for you, unfortunately. This is not good preparation. But I just think it needs. I think Di Maria is probably going to leave as well because he's out of contract. Yeah. So that gives you quite a lot of, quite uh, a lot of space he, to play with. To be fair, I. It, Feels like he with Mbappe is the one who is is actually trying. He's a good yeah. fit. So, yeah, exactly. I was I, I was just I was just about to say a younger version of Di Maria would be ideal because he and when we have looked like a functioning team, he's been the one who would link between the midfield and the other two attackers, be it well usually last season, obviously uh, Mbappe and Neymar, but you know, with Messi coming in this year as well. So I feel like we just need a, you know, he's probably, he's passed his best now as well. And um, I think that he can't struggles to sort of put together a, a you know, 90 minute performance now, but that kind of player is what we need. Someone who will inject a bit of energy, who will get up and down and who will link up with the, with the forwards, even if they're a little bit, you know, even if they're not doing all the tracking back that you would, you would hope your, your players do. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who that guy is, but that's, that's who we should be looking for in my opinion. Can I ask a sort of, Similar follow-up question. So, not in terms of which players you bring in, but assuming that sort of contracts aren't an issue and you're able to offload any players that you can offload, which players do you retain for next season, and who do you have coaching them? Uh, so, I think the main uh, areas I'd like to. Uh, strengthen is midfield I think so there's quite a lot of players who you could lose obviously in an ideal world I'm thinking Draxler Danilo I think even Gay to an extent definitely Wijnaldum the only ones I'd be particularly fussed about keeping of the senior players I think is Verratti and Paredes because I think it's hard it's hard to know how much you know whether there was a link here but it certainly felt like we lost a bit of control when Paredes went off in the in the game I don't know if that was a coincidence just you know in terms of but I think he's definitely shown what he can do. And I think he, he offers a bit, something a bit different. So I would like a complete revamp of the midfield. And then also 
the defence needs looking at as well. We've actually got two good fullbacks finally, which is really nice in Ekimi and um, and Nuno. Both look really promising. I think obviously Burnout offers good cover there, but I think centre back to have two to have a third like option who you can rely on, i.e. not Sergio Ramos, which allows you to that signing's just baffled me ever since it happened and it just makes me angry to think how much money has been wasted. But anyway, no offence to him. I'm sure he's a lovely chap. But, um, uh, I'm not sure yeah, about that. Have, no, well, no, <laughs> actually, that doesn't make sense, does it? Um, anyway, uh, yeah, to have a third like centre-back who you can rely on so that you can push Marquinhos into midfield when required uh, would be really good as well because I feel like that's something which we've done effectively in the past and we haven't really been able to do recently just because we literally don't have anyone else who is who is trustable in in uh, centre back. So I feel like the, the I think the main problem area is midfield really is this kind of an ongoing PSG problem for for years. You know they they lack the they lack a sort of well a sort of a proper a proper number six really, but also you know just a bit more to add a bit more energy and dynamism, which which the guys we've got just 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 don't offer unfortunately. I think we can all agree that uh, Levin Kazawa with another new contract is what everybody wants to see at this stage. Uh, he's still there, everybody. I, 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 I'm going to be really sad when he leaves, just because the sort of the number of banter players in the squad has been diminishing by the season, and I feel like he's the last, the last really. Last he is really like Uncle Agetti. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is yes. like he is like the cockroach of Paris, isn't he? He's just, <laughs> just you know, whatever you do, he will always survive and. We'll always be there to see it through. Um, any any preferences for coach? Oh yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah. Diogo yeah. Motta's doing reasonably well. Yeah. not quite the same profile club. No, I mean I would be interested to see that happen as a more of a sort of long term project. But as we know, PSG are not in for long term projects really. Um, I think like I'm not very keen on Zidane just because I'm not sure that that is going to work outside of. A, I think be, he might be a good manager for France, but I'm very sceptical that outside of the context mm. of Real Madrid, he would be a good manager for us. So I don't know, really. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Conte if we could, you know, there's obviously been a few rumours about that. Uh, he's obviously had a bit of a mixed time at Spurs and I'm, I know he's always agitating for stuff at the best of times, but I feel like someone like that might be an interesting dynamic to kind of uh, put a rocket up a few of the players and maybe put a rocket up some of the management as well. So... That would be my preference. Can you I mean, imagine uh, Conte and Al Khalifi in a meeting? I'd like to. Just the woods just of sort of, through windows. Oof. I think that in terms of sort of timing, the way his season's going, and then also obviously there's a strong kind of South American clique at PSG. What about Simeone? It might not be mm. the kind of football you want to see, but he wouldn't accept what happened the other day. <laughs> no, that's true. I think he's a great fit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be totally up for that to see what happened. I think the point is that we've been through pretty much every like sort of coach, haven't we? We've been through the, the guys with the plan, the guys who just sort of manage the egos and let the players do their own thing, the guys who are up and coming, the guys who are established. I feel like it's I, just... I have a suggestion. Sam Allardyce. <laughs> Can you imagine? Is that how, how do you Frenchify Allardyce? I just, just want to see it. Would it be Would it be uh, Samuel Allardyce? Would that be? <laughs> that would be probably uh, 
Although Alain Padieu works far better, doesn't it? So, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I did. That silly only one does sorry. seem like I'm a good... I'm sorry I'm now having kittens. Oh, no, it had to be done. It does feel like a good fit, Simeone, though. I do think that's, uh, you know, I think he'd, he would fit the ultras well, wouldn't he? And when you look at certain coaches fitting... Well, what about Marcelo Bielsa, just to make Jez happy? That would be, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> I've got, um, I've got, I've got, I don't know why, I've lasted, just got a really bad feeling. a day and a half before falling out with the higher powers. And, and walking and out before he even starts the job, yeah. No I've chance. I've got a bad feeling about Bielsa and Lyon. I don't know why. Oh, that's, a... yeah, that, that, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? That makes perfect sense um nice way to try and we, we will just quickly run through uh, we're not going to go into the, the games obviously for obvious reasons we've had a lot of time on the special tonight but we will whip through the results from the weekend uh, and just let you know where that leaves everything in the table on um friday leon st etienne played out what was probably the worst game i have seen in not just this season for a long uh-huh. time um <laughs> i don't know about you jez but i was i was attempting to try and keep adam awake during that coverage uh, I think he struggled, as did I wa- everybody else. I watched the rugby instead. <laughs> I, think, I think you made a good choice. It was a rough watch. Uh, but nevertheless, a good point for St Etienne. Lille, however, were booed off. Uh, Montpellier-Nice, um, it didn't start the weekend well, did it? 2 nil nils. Um, Montpellier will probably feel... Well, but I, just to say, uh, the stupidest thing you can do on a football pitch is a Pagnanka that doesn't come off. Yeah, missed penalty. Yeah, that, that doesn't doesn't bode that well. That was really <laughs> awkward. It was. Uh, Dante sending off as a result of that incident as well didn't help Nice, but uh, a nil-nil draw was was how that ended. I did sit through Trois against Nantes on um, Saturday night, purely because I had nothing better to do, which probably tells you more about my social life than anything. But nevertheless, a very good win that for, for Trois, unfortunately. He says regretted team. And Nantes have Palwa injured, who will be out for yes. four weeks. Each. Yeah. He, so that's also Giotto. So basically they lost their entire yeah, and in, in, the, line. in the same but, incident as well, they kind of ran into each other. I was watching that at the time, and it, um, one it, went off first. And it was a bit case cops. It was, yeah, unfortunate. Uh, but the winning goal from um, a former Chelsea graduate, I believe, Canadian, uh, Ukbo, uh, was the, the goal scoring and the winning goal scorer there in that particular game. Um, a player you might hear a little bit about, E.K. Ukbo, flows off the tongue. But, uh, yeah, he got the winner for Twat in that particular game. On to Sunday's game, we mentioned obviously PSG with uh, the most laid back 3 0 win you're ever going to see. Uh, goals from Mbappe, Neymar, and Paredes. Um, Bordeaux were um, yeah, not great, if I'm completely honest. I think they turned up as cannon fodder. Yeah, they've conceded 70 goals this season, I think. And they live in the dream I at the back, just... haven't they? Ah. Yes. Certainly not, uh, not not going according to plan in terms of the, the coaching change. And we have not seen the David Guion effect uh, yet, anyway. And elsewhere on the Sunday, we saw uh, obviously the biggest match of the weekend, saw Lorient win 2 0 at Clermont. Of course, I joke slightly, but massive win that for Lemelo. Uh, Kone off the bench to score yet again. He's making a habit of this after a bit of a defensive error. And uh, the academy graduate Petro would be the header. Well, actually, it's technically a shoulder uh, in to seal the points for Lorient. So, big six pointer for them. 
Angers continued to tumble headlong down the table like a drunk down the stairs of a pub. They lost at home 1-0 to Rams. Uh, flips with the goal for the away side. Donny saw red for Rams, uh, but despite playing for basically 70% of the game with 10 men they held on Manka was also sent off late on for the home side for two bookable offences uh, Mets nil Lons nil um, I don't really know how Jez probably feels about that but uh, it's a point you know uh, I don't think Lons were at their best though I did only see highlights of this particular game so uh, yeah the, the run goes on unfortunately Jez um, Strasbourg getting a, a very, very good, important win for them. Uh, if you'd have told me that uh, Jiku would score an overhead kick to win the game, I probably would have told you to go back to Mars. But that's exactly what happens. Uh, bicycle kick from a corner and uh, Strasbourg getting the 1-0 win over Monaco with the, uh, the, the Philippe Clement sort of uh, approach. It's, it's not quite going as planned or as it certainly su- was suggested it would at the outset. A uh, big win that for Strasbourg. Uh, more on them in a second in terms of the table. Uh, we had a, a really fun game as the pressure intensifies on Peter Bosch as Leon uh, lost again. Of course, Leon going to Leon. They lost 4-2 to Rennes. They were actually 4-0 down. Uh, Benjamin Bourigeau, Santa Maria, uh, Maya and Martin Terrier, of course, former Leon player, had them four up in 49 minutes before a brief fight back. Uh, Traore uh, getting the credit as an own goal after Toko Kambi's header. And then uh, Musa Dembele getting a late penalty. But in the rain, uh, Peter Bosch looked rather fed up. Uh, Ren, however, continue their very good league form. And uh, Marseille being Marseille, of course, uh, when the crisis hits, they just decide they're going to play again. And they won 4-1 away at Brest. Uh, Gerson, Milik, Harit and Cengizunda with the goals. Cardona did get one back late for the home side, but it was not enough for them. And in terms of the table, as we've probably touched on earlier on, uh, PSG are still going to win this league. They're 15 points clear of Marseille in second. Uh, nice dropping points, obviously, in that Montpellier game. They stay third, but Rennes have closed the gap. Four straight wins for them. They're up to 49 points, just a point behind Marseille and Nice uh, in fourth. Strasbourg, they are flying. Unbeaten in five now. They are up to, uh, well, say up to, they, they consolidate fifth position, but 47 points. They are hot on the heels of the three above them. Lille also, uh, having been mid-table for a long time, also unbeaten in a long run of games now, uh, plus goal difference for once, and they are up to sixth. So they may well sneak into those European places. Uh, Nolts defeat at Troyes uh, hinders their progress, though. They're down in seventh. Monaco, likewise, in eighth. Lens and Lyon make up the top ten. Lyon just about staying in the top ten. And then down at the bottom, Montpellier, 11th, Rams. 12th, Brest, 13th, Angers. As I say, they are very much the ones to watch. When did they last win a game? Uh, I believe it's 2006. Uh, No, they they last, uh, their last win in Liga Czech stats was, oh goodness me, they won 2-1 against Trois in January, late January. They have lost, uh, I believe it's seven on the bounce now. Yes, seven on the bounce. They are, Not, they are so bad. Yes, they are in trouble. And all of a sudden... Well, this, this gap, all of a sudden now, I think it's legitimately any from 14th downwards because Anja have 29 points. Yeah. Trois have 28 with their win at the weekend. Two straight wins for them. Claremont, having been beaten by Lorient, who've now cut the gap on them. Claremont, 28 points. Lorient are up to 27. St Etienne sit on 26 uh, Mets 23 and Bordeaux on 22. Uh, Bordeaux I still... are, I, I 
know that it was a tricky game for PSG at the weekend, mm. but Jesus Christ, you couldn't pick a better opponent. No, no. And, and I, just, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's fair to say that unless uh, Jez has actually had to duck out um, yeah. with a family issue, but um, I, I, think, I don't think he'd mind me saying that Mets really need to find a winner pretty fast, otherwise they are going to get cut adrift. And, and that, by logic, says that Bordeaux need to do the same because those two clubs are, even the three-point gap to St Etienne is feeling quite significant. And one more defeat for Angers and any one of the three or four below them win and they are right in this mix. I think Brest upwards will probably be fine. Um, but yeah, Angers are very much the team to watch in terms of the fall, um, which leads us nicely onto the week's fixtures ahead. Uh, we have got some European games, of course, but we'll, in the interest of time, we'll skip over those just to say that Rennes are in trouble at Leicester. Uh, Lyon and Marseille look to be fine. Uh, St. Etienne. And Chelsea will be on the mega bus. Yes. And I think it's fair to say that Lille have got it all to do in terms of turning that particular game around. But you never know. You never know. Into one at Liverpool, after all. Um, anyway, Milligar at the weekend on the 18th. I believe this is the last round before the international break. Uh, St Etienne will be speeding, much like that motorcycle, as they play host to Troyes. It's another six-pointer there. Uh, Lons face Clermont. Uh, Lons looking to get back onto uh, onto winning ways, and Clermont obviously with that defeat will be looking to try and get something away from home. Nantes host Lille in a, a European places shootout. That that could be fun. Yeah, so Saturday Those, night game, eight o'clock. Yeah, so you know. Worth the game, worth the game under the lights at the Bourgeois. So, yeah, it's a decent looking fixture, that one. Uh, Monaco PSG, again, on paper, looks pretty fun. That's the midday game on the Sunday. You never know with those midday games. Some of them are great and some of them are pretty tragic. So we'll see what uh, what those two serve up. Uh, Angers face Brest. Um, and as we said, Angers need a win. And I think uh, I think if Brest win that one and Angers don't, then that A, that puts further gap between the two clubs, and B, it puts Angers under real scrutiny, so you really think they need to find a home win sooner rather than later. Uh, Bordeaux against Montpellier. Again, Bordeaux really need the points there, and, and Montpellier, I think, I think they're fine, Phil, but, you know... Yeah, not massively convincing recently, but I'd no. hope this would be a game where somebody actually puts a ball in the net, and that would be helpful. Would help, wouldn't it? Yeah, would help. Uh, Lorient face uh, Strasbourg. Uh, yes, another game of me watching behind the sofa because Strasbourg, as we mentioned before, are flying right now. Renegades Mets, that's the Jez Rich derby. Um, Got to be honest, Jez, I don't like their chances in that one, I'm afraid, if you're listening, but um, you never know. Uh, Rams against Lyon. Again, it's another potential banana skin for Lyon, and we shall see. Rams could do with the points to just get them that little bit further clear at the table. And uh, finally, and I know this will shock you all, Marseille are on the telly on the Sunday night game as they play host to Nice. Uh, those oh, of you remember. That, that could be fun. Well, remember what happened last time is, is all I'm going to say there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> could, could all go off. Um, we shall see. But big a big uh, game for both sides as they look to cement second place in the table. So a uh, good couple of games coming up this weekend. Um, right, I think we will leave it there. Um, 
Matt, I know it's been like, it, it probably feels like good therapy for you, I guess, just to get it all out there and <laughs> and, and feel a little bit fresh. But um, yeah. we we will 100% have you back on, uh, maybe when PSG launch uh, yet another strip or something along those lines. No, I, I kid. Love, I, would, I, kid. I, would love, I would love to come on and talk about the next collaboration with like uh, LeBron James or what have you. So yeah, anytime. Well, Tom Brady's the, the, the Tom end Brady, thing now, yeah, isn't that's it? True, yeah. yeah, maybe that, that's the yeah, way official forward. Official but... paint partner. Yeah, Dulux. <laughs> Dulux would be nice, yeah. yeah um, but yeah, and oh, thank you much for coming. Dog, that dog is so cute. <laughs> the Dulux dog. Um, thank you, Matt, for coming on. I know, so I know it's been a little bit uh, probably therapeutic for you, but um, really good to hear your views and you're welcome back anytime. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. So thank you. Well, you know, as much as you can. As much as you can enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the couch is always open. Um <laughs> And uh, Phil, I know Jez has had to depart early, but our thanks to Jez. And of course, thanks to you as well. Thank you. Excellent. Right. Well, thank you all very much for listening in. As I say, it's been a bit of a longer one tonight, a little bit more of a themed podcast, but hopefully you have enjoyed it. Uh, we're back to French football again. Like I say, work last games before the international break this weekend coming. So until then, enjoy your French football. Look after yourselves and we'll speak to you very soon.